Welcome to the Church Leadership Podcast, your weekly source for encouraging and equipping local church leaders with your hosts, Mark Ganey and Andy Frazier. In each episode, Andy and Mark sit down with church leaders that you should know. We believe these honest conversations will be helpful and encouraging to you as you lead the local church. Here is this week's episode. Welcome to episode number 79 of the Church Leadership Podcast. If you are new to our podcast, welcome aboard. We're glad you're along for the ride. Our mission here at Church Leadership Podcast is to equip and encourage you to lead in your local church. And uh, we hope that you enjoy this episode. Let me tell you, episode 79 is unlike any episode we've ever done. And I'll get to that in just a minute. But before I do, I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast. We don't want you to miss a single episode. And we'd ask that you rate our podcast. That really helps us uh, spread the word about our podcast. You can rate our podcast really easily. It's uh, ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. Ratethispodcast.com slash CLP. Now, today's episode is, is very different. It's not like a normal conversation that Andy and I had with somebody. We actually got together with several church leaders, pastors and, and leaders uh, that, that we know and love. In fact, all of them you've heard on this podcast before. And we got together for a specific purpose. We were looking for ideas and answers to a question, what does the future of church look like? We're in the middle of COVID-19. We're coming out of this quarantine now. Here we are in August, and, and we have questions. How does the church look now? Not that we expect any of these leaders to have the answers or all the answers, but we wanted to share ideas. We wanted to brainstorm together. So what you're going to hear is actually a snippet of our conversation. And I'm beginning by asking questions about engagement and things like that. So you're going to hear from me, uh, Andy, of course, and some other leaders, Eric Taylor, Matt Haynes, Jay Gordon, Robert Mullins, Justin McKay, Daniel Edmonds, Cody Hale, John Thomas and Joel Maum. It's a riveting, fantastic conversation that I know will challenge you and encourage you. So here is episode 79 in our conversation. I want to ask the first question, and, and the way we'll do this is I'll ask it, and whoever wants to jump in, jump in. And again, don't expect us to have real answers. We're just going to think out loud together. Uh, and the first question is kind of an overarching question, too, and that is, you know, in, in church now and in the future, how do we how do we better drive engagement in person and online? Because you know, online's here to stay. Obviously, uh, how do we how do we drive engagement? You know, in worship, in in every facet of ministry, how do we drive people to engage more rather than just to show up and hit the play button or show up and sing? You know. Because engagement's always been an issue, but but even more so now, I believe engagement is 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 huge. Um, getting people from, you know, just sit soaking and souring to actually engaging the life of Christ. How do we do that? I think one of the things that I have noticed in a lot of the uh, online messages that um, pastors have a little bit changed their style. Sometimes they've had to condense it, and they can't just ramble forever. And I think that's been a good good feature uh, but my style of preaching because I'm more of a teacher than a preacher is I engage my congregation when I preach by asking questions and sometimes get a little bit of a dialogue uh, to, to try to engage them to make sure that they're getting where I'm going and obviously now with the online features you have to have somebody monitoring a chat 
to be able to engage them that way. And it, 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 it needs to be immediate. It doesn't need to be something you do after the fact. Mm -hmm. So that means a lot of our churches have already uh, reassigned roles, I think, to uh, include that online campus pastor. Uh, and that's his responsibility is to engage as best he can by initiating chats uh, by responding to questions, there's a lot of ways to text if you need responses. And I think you guys are going to a new platform on Sunday that I'm really going to be curious to see how that works. Uh, I've already checked it out and signed up, and so I'm going to play with it a little bit. But I think that has a lot of potential there, uh, like for our fall meeting and those kind of things where we as an association need to engage uh, on a on more personal level than just something's thrown up on the screen and you hope people respond. But I, I guess if I had to sum it up in one word, it's got to be intentional. Mm. We've got to figure out how we can intentionally engage people. And then the second word would be accountability. How do we follow up after the message is over with, with some accountability? I think every sermon can't stand alone. I think they have to bridge so that next week you go back and remind them of where you, what you talked about and did you do what we learned? And so it's just like sitting in the classroom, Jay, you, you're well, you know, you're a master teacher person. And so you, you get the fact that the best teaching happens when they're engaged in and participate in, and not just the spectator, like you said, Mark, sit, soak and sour. We got way too much of that and have had forever. And so I think that's one of the good things that can come out of this. If we can help our pastors learn how to be intentional and to engage, whatever that means in whatever format they're teaching in. Good intentionality. What, what John's referring to, by the way, is we're, we're launching um, an online church platform. It's from life church. Um, one, two, we're behind you version Bible and all that. And so it's free. It's a free platform. And uh, we're, we're using that for our online instead of, instead of Facebook and the website and YouTube, we're driving everybody there uh, because it has an online chat feature, uh, a prayer feature where you can engage them during worship. And we've, we've enlisted a, an online worship director. To, What's to, it called? I think it's called church online platform. I think that's right, but just put online church platform by life church and it'll come up. Google that. It'll, it'll come up. Um, Craig Rochelle's church. It's, it's, it's just, I can't believe it's free by the way. It's just insane, but yeah, we're, so yeah, I think that's good. I think that's part of it too. Um, and let me ask this follow-up question. I, I know Andy's going to have some questions too, but so be thinking about what I just said. And so answer that question plus this one. Okay. Because this is really what, you know, Joel asked me how I felt before. And I said, I'm tired. This is the question that has driven me to, to weariness. Okay. Um, and it's a question that we always ask as leaders, but I think in this moment, it's, it's even more urgent. And that is how can we lead people to take, to take a genuine next step of obedience on a regular basis? Cause let me just kind of share with you what, what's going on in my context. Okay. So when we first went to quarantine, you know, we, we started, we, we've always done online sermons, but we, we did a whole service online and I thought, okay, well, well, the next steps have to change, right? Because usually you would come forward in the church or you would, you know, fill out a, a next step card or, or something like that. Um, so it's got to change. We've got to do it online, obviously. So we created a, a, a link, you know, myffbc.com slash step for people to take next steps. 
in the first three weeks, it was amazing. I mean, we had more people taking next steps. It was amazing. But since that time, it's like crickets. In fact, this last Sunday was the first Sunday in about six weeks that anybody outside of my household filled out a next step link form. Okay, so, so you know, my, my whole challenge is, well, how do we do that? How do we, how do we lead them to take a genuine next step of obedience? That's part of engagement, right? How do we do that? How do we encourage that? Well, this is going to sound maybe dumb or something. I don't know. Um, maybe like we've always done it. Like, I think the thing is that we've been able to, some of the things that were working before, we've made excuses for not doing them anymore. Um, well, we can't gather together, so we can't have disciple groups or huddles or whatever you want to call it. Um, for me, the most engagement I've ever gotten from people is when I've discipled them and multiplied. Um, and so that's got to continue more than ever. As, as a matter of fact, um, what, what I think that I've learned is that there's a lot that we've been doing that is not necessary. Mm. Um, and in the, in the words of my sage uh, brethren, Daniel Edmonds, if it's unnecessary, then I don't have to do it. Right. And I wrote that on the top of my calendar after, see, he says these things, he drops these word phrase bombs and they destroy a lot of, of the precepts and, and the concrete of my foundations. And, you know, um, the good news is it's always really, really relevant. And so there was a funeral Sunday that was the stepfather of a person in our church very close. And my wife said, is it necessary? And the reality was it wasn't. And I didn't go. And everybody survived. It was okay. So I learned that the thing that's necessary is to continue to do the two things that I'm supposed to be doing before. And that is inviting and challenging folks in relationship. So whether it's to engage them for us, we're worshiping on the Hill right now to find a place of service, to find a place of ministry, even in the midst of these things, or as we move back into the building in August to come and serve and be part of the cleanup team or the, you know, the, the very young preschoolers that are going to be in rooms and to all of those things, whatever it is. The most important thing is that I continue to model invitation and challenge through discipling people. Um, and the sheet I have in front of me that I'm making notes on right now, I'm to the point of, of God, who do you want in my next huddle? And there's names on that list. And um, so now I have to, to recruit and list that because I have to keep pressing on regardless of what happens to crossroads because this is his church, not mine. And I, you know, so far I could, everything's great. Finances are great. People's attitudes are great. Um, you know, and, but who knows? Um, one of the studies Mark that I've been looking at is just kind of history itself. And if this is true, if this is a true, um, worldwide pandemic that we've never seen before this virus, then the reality for where it goes is not a 
short-term fix or solution. It is a very long-term fix. Right. Um, and we see, we see early, you know, the, the Spanish flu or whatever back in the early 1900s where in America, everybody's sitting around with face masks on, you know, um, and they're doing life with face mask on. And yet we in our, sorry, pampered generation feel like, how dare we do that? You know, and how dare someone tell me to do that? And the reality is it's, it's happened before. It's part of the world. It's, it's just one of the things that's happened. And the reality is it doesn't go away quickly. And so we have to prepare ourselves to buckle down to what Daniel said in his words, the necessary. So that's kind of where I'm coming from right now. That's good. And I think you're right. I think, I mean, it's not just long-term, it's forever. I mean, everything has fundamentally changed from here forward. Sure. Uh, you know, it's not going back. I mean, it, it's a new different, like John said earlier. It's good. So eliminate some things. Um, definitely helps drive engagement for, for sure when you focus on what matters. Okay. Hey, Mark, I want to dive in a couple of things, and I don't know that this is an answer to exactly what's the next steps question, but it's a couple of things that I thought of a lot over the last couple of months. And one of those things is really how God's sovereignty fits into all of this situation. Um, because obviously God is sovereign and understands that a pandemic was coming long before we did. Right. And uh, I think that we have been witnessing all of us think or can kind of see in our, at least our American evangelical culture for quite a while, but certainly with the, uh, when the Obergefell Supreme court decision came, I heard people back then saying that one of the things that was happening in the church was somewhat of a, a purging of nominal Christianity and a purging and separating of the wheat and the chaff. And when you think about what we're talking about in churches right now with engaging with people and, you know, our church, a lot like you guys probably experienced the same thing we did the first three or four weeks that we were online only. We had 150 people watching on YouTube. Now we got 50. Um, and uh, some of those people are back in the sanctuary, but a lot of them aren't. And we don't know who is watching unless they comment on the YouTube comment section. Right. So we have a whole lot of people that are, that are kind of out there uh, that we are trying to figure out where they are, how engaged they are. Um, it's interesting that we have, we have a, a, a lot of older people in our congregation, and it is not safe for them to be at church right now. But those are the ones that are tuning in on YouTube because they're telling me that they are. Um, it's the ones that aren't tuning in that are posting uh, pictures of them going out to restaurants to eat and uh, <laughs> pictures of them on their beach vacation, but they're not showing up at church on Sunday because they're afraid to come to church. Um, that confuses me. Uh, I, I ask myself how many, how much of we over the last few years in our churches been tending to a lot of goats in the sheep pen and now this is showing us some of where the sheep are and some of where the goats are mm -hmm. and some of what we're dealing with is not what are we going to invite people into next steps but we're actually going to invite them into initial steps mm -hmm. um, of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. I think we're probably going to see as part of this that a great even what we knew to be true which is 
probably some of the biggest mission field we had was sitting in our pews at the whole the whole time and now we've got to figure out a way to start engaging that so that's just a, a few great point I, I, wanna, I totally agree with Matt on this because um, one of the things, so I grew up, I grew up a pastor's kid and um, so I've got this cynicism I constantly have to fight um, just because I've seen people, you know, get all excited and wash out. And uh, I, I work with a lot of pastors and, and a lot of the pastors I see investing time in people that I'm like, I can just kind of in my gut level say that's not the one that's going to be part of your 12, if you want to put it in Jesus terms. Um, But they go after the, you know, leave the 99 for the one. And I'm like, yeah, but the 99 are still here. And they're like, they didn't run off. So there's a, there's this weird balance of, we do need to leave the 99 for the one sometimes. But I think what this is, what a beautiful opportunity this is, is you're beginning to see, oh, these are the people it's worth time investing in because they're willing to gut out the risk of it. They're willing to show up. I mean, we've, we reopened two months ago and we're, we're running about 40 on a good Sunday, about 50%. When things started picking up pandemic wise, again, we dropped back down to about 30%. So we've got, you know, maybe 300 people coming on a Sunday and I'm like, these are the crew right here. Now that's not a perfect representation because we haven't had kids ministry. Uh, so a lot of the people just say, I can't bring kids, but some people do bring their kids and they make them sit in a line. And I'm like, that those people right there, like, they're willing to pay the price. They're the ones yeah. to invest in. So in some ways, right. this is a real gift. It's like, here's your people. You've been wondering who the people are to invest in. These are the people who are willing to put, I mean, essentially put their health on the line. Now, again, you can't value, gauge it completely by that because there are some people that's just not wise for them to be hanging out in, a, in church right now. But um, it, it's, it's kind of a gift handed to you like, hey, you've been wondering who you need to spend your time with? Well, they showed up Sunday. So, um, or they showed up, you know, consistently online, you're seeing them wanting to engage, wanting to engage. And I think that's one of the challenges for pastors. A lot of times is you, especially, you know, you've got this heart, especially if you've got this real pastoral heart, which I don't, but, um, the ones that have a real pastoral heart, it's like, Oh man, that guy's hurting over there. So you want to invest all this time in that person. And really it, it all comes down. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I do counseling and one of the things I've found is, man, people don't change until they want it bad enough. And you, we've gotten to see who wants it bad enough. Mm-hmm. So what a gift that is. And you were, Robert was talking about figuring out what's, what you need to do and what you don't need to do. And uh, stewardship is doing the best you can with what you've got. And God showed us what we've got right in front of us. And you've kind of, again, the wheat and the chaff. I, I hate to put it in those terms, right? Because I still believe they're good Christian people. But uh, you've seen the people that are worth your investment of time as a pastor because you only have so much time. You only have so much energy. Um, and you're always, the question always is, is, is this the person I'm supposed to invest in? And you need the Holy Spirit to lead you on that. But man, this has made it really clear in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. Who's the ones to at least invest in in leadership because they're the ones who are, are willing to take that risk. And then maybe that can, you know, the, you disciple those people and then they can disciple the rest, right? But that's always the challenge of a pastor is who do I need to invest in with my minimal time? And there it is. We've got it well, all Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I'm a church planner at heart, you know, nine and a half years as a church planner. And so I think in terms of core and all that. So uh, I'm just going to show you in my rocket book. You can't see it, but I wrote down new core. And it's exactly what you said. God has given us a clarity on who is definitely willing to pay the price and, and not just show up, but but to, to you know, give us time and effort and energy in the middle of this. So and something else I want to mention, too. Um, 
I want the rest of y'all to have opportunity to speak to. But uh, Robert, you were saying something and then Matt was talking and it reminded me of a quote from, from Neil Cole in a book I read by his, him several years ago. And he says, you know, what we need to do, we need to, we need to lower the bar of what it takes to do church and raise the bar of what it takes to be the church. And another way to say that is we need to lower the bar of what it takes to do church and raise the bar of what it takes to be a disciple. Uh, and, and I think that this pandemic has made that crystal clear. It's stripped away things that, that you know, people love, maybe even we love, right? Um, it's stripped it away. We can't do it. And so what is necessary? What does it mean to be the church? That's a good, that's a good clarification question that I think this is brought on. Anyway, anybody else want to hit that engagement I think, question? I think another one of the gifts that it's given us is change seems to be happening at a much faster rate now. Mm. And so it, it's provided for us a greenhouse in which we can grow some things that we've always wanted to cultivate in our churches. I think one example would be to me, the church has been slowly decentralizing from the campus for a long time now, but now we have, we're, we're forced to be decentralized from the campus. And so there's opportunities there. That's an obstacle to engagement. That's also an opportunity for engagement because throughout this time, I know for my folks, technology has been normalized in a way that it wasn't before. And so now through zoom, I, you know, six months ago, if we would have had a zoom training for our children's workers or for our, our small group leaders, or th no one would have shown up. No one would have even known how to log in. But now we have discipleship <laughs> groups meet, meeting on Zoom. We're we're continuing to invest in our children's team. Continuing to invest in our, and so and it's actually going to set us up better for the future because it's going to be easier to work on schedules. It's going to be easier to bring everyone together, and so we're able to engage them now and make it normalized so that we can engage them better down the road. Um, and, I, and another place that I'm seeing is it, is it allows us to make home rather than church, the home base for ministry. Mm. Um, you know, and it begins with my, my house, have it, having a couple at my house to, to pour in as, as the pastor and, um, and then encouraging them to, to send them resources for their children to follow along and to disciple their children along with the online sermon that they're receiving. And so I think, I think this decentralization that we're seeing from the church campus into the home and through technology and all the, I think that's a, that's a really helpful way um, for us. And I think this, this fast pace of change is going to end up being beneficial in a lot of ways. I agree with what has been said so far. Uh, my, my motto for years now has been to exa continually examine and evaluate what is mission critical. You know, what is, what is necessary for our church to make disciples? And right now, that's much easier to, to see and yeah. filter everything through than it's ever been. Uh, and one of the questions I had to kind of step back and look at was if members of our church, if we want them to gather so that we can scatter, whether that's in person or online, so they can be encouraged and equipped to, to be better disciples and make disciples, if if what we're doing now, if, if they feel almost guilty and some do, some have talked to me about this, about having more time to do things, then it makes me really think what were we programming and what were we strategizing before so that we weren't freeing people up to have time and have margin in their lives to go out and be disciples and make disciples. So 
uh, that's kind of been my focus in, and I think what Joel said is key. I mean, it's time to run with the runners. You know, it's not that you're ignoring uh, needs or, or, or people or their lives, but listen, it is a great time to invest in those who are there. And uh, like he said, I mean, pick out those uh, people who are coming, who have already been wearing the masks even before it was a requirement, because maybe in the back of their mind, they're, they're questioning, you know, their health or somebody else's health. Uh, they're wanting to be there. And then you've got kids with families. I mean, we've got several families who pack pews and there's kids running up and down the pews. And, um, and instead of getting those shameful glances from people, you're, you're looking at people looking around and smiling, you know, just because there's kids in the worship service. So uh, speaking of kids, uh, let me ask a question to kind of drive this this uh, conversation a little bit deeper in what we're talking about right now, about intentionally engaging people and, and giving them some next steps of, all right, how, how do we take what we're teaching, what we're trying to pass along to you so that you can apply it to your lives and share it with others? How are we doing that in age-graded ministries? Uh, specifically, uh, how, how do we transition in our student ministry or children's ministries right now for the foreseeable future uh, to make it possible for families of, of people with kids and students uh, to feel like that they are being not only spiritually fed, but spiritually led? So how, how, do, how, do, we, how do we work with families in age-graded ministries right now and kind of prepare ourselves for what's to come? Mark, that's a great question. Andy, that's a great question because uh, I had that conversation with my with my staff because um, we're just kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, "Well, when we get back together, or when schools, yep. those kind of things." It's kind of the natural deal. But um, I, I also know that this is a greater time to disciple parents to disciple their kids. Um, they, you know, because because you you live in a ministry world where where things kind of are underneath the surface. And when you pull back the curtain and see, this is my ministry philosophy, Hmm. this is my ministry. And if I give that away, I'm not in control of it. But like somebody else had said, we have, we have been given a gift to say, this is exactly what the new Testament shows us how we should be encouraging and equipping families, parents, uh, mask wearers, non-mask wearers (laughs) this is what we're all about is equipping people so that they can do it because we can't gather we can't be the sage on the stage as daniel m says we can't be i mean we can be this you know we can be the uh the the televangelist but uh later time can we leverage than to say parents I know you're overwhelmed. You, you were overwhelmed when you had to homeschool your kids. Uh, you were overwhelmed when you when you have to realize that uh, that you're going to spend uh, a, an enormous amount of time with people th- that you call family, and and you like to go to work or you like to go to church. You like to send them to youth ministry or children's ministry because sometimes you need the break from that. But now is a great opportunity for you to realize biblically, scripturally your mandate as the parent to to disciple your kids now on our side of it is we've got to come up not with some resources or some programs sorry daniel 
Um, but we, we've got to come up with a strategy of saying, what do we need to give these people for one to give them resources to do that, but also number two, to give them confidence that they can do it. Man, what, what an incredible start to a conversation. That's not all. We're going to share the next part of that conversation in a upcoming episode, but I hope that it helped you half as much as it helped me. I hope it encouraged you half as much as it encouraged me. I needed to hear those voices, and I hope that you're encouraged and equipped to lead the local church. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Church Leadership Podcast. Don't forget to share, subscribe, and even review our podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. 